Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergy Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if 3-1 to one is right for you. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 246. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang. I'm joined now by a special guest, Grant McCagg of Recruits.ca. Welcome to the show. Hey, boy. So this episode, we're going to be talking about prospects and the draft. And who better than to bring you onto the show to talk about these subjects? Wow. Jeez, thank you very much. Well, you know. We do what we can here to keep our guests happy. <laughs> There's not a lot of people willing to come on the show, right? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I knew there was an angle. Well, always. It's always an angle. <laughs> we're, we're, we're those kinds of people. <laughs> All right. Um, so what we're going to cover basically uh, for you guys listening at home, what we're going to talk about is we're going to cover the Canadians prospects in hand already. We'll talk a little bit about their progress. And of course the 2022 draft that's coming up because it seems that the Canadians are going to have a pretty good pick. It's looking that way. Even with St. Louis, uh, basically carrying this team back to a, what would be a bubble playoff team. Yeah, for sure. No, it's a, you know, uh, I it still looks like there's pretty good chance they're going to be top five for sure. And yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, there's, there's five good, there's at least five really good players and 
So as long as you still end up with a top five pick, I don't think uh, Hapad should be too uh, concerned about, you know, passing a couple teams here down the stretch. So what would you say to the the people at home who are, who are saying that winning all these games, playing the way they're playing since St. Louis arrival is hurting the team long-term? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Cause uh, I believe that you, uh, w- one of the most important things with, with young players and the development of young players is uh, uh, teaching them how to win. You know, you have to, um, you have to have a winning culture and breed a winning culture. And um, certainly when you bring in a new coach, you don't want to keep losing. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to lose. And, uh, you know, you don't want to lose for him. You want to impress him. So uh, I think it's all, you know, you sacrifice a couple of spots in the draft for, uh, you know, not hindering the development of your young players. Uh, that, it's a more than a fair trade-off as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's it, it, it's nice to see Caulfield scoring more than one goal in 30 games, for instance. Yeah, well, it's a little more exciting for the fans too, you know, like uh, um, three more months of losing 7-1 or, you know, draft a couple spots lower and uh, and win games uh, 4-3. I, uh, I'd, I'd rather have the second one. And not to mention the fact that the person who the team that finishes dead last hasn't won the draft lottery as often as those who haven't finished dead last. Yeah, exactly. And it is one of those years where, uh, you know, there aren't really guys that are, that have been consensus number one or even, you know, one, two all year other than right. And he's disappointed. So, um, I, I think it might be one of those years where the fifth fifth overall pick is everywhere, every bit as good as the top pick, but uh, we'll see about that. Now, speaking of that, Recruits just is going to be coming out with its updated uh, draft list. So could you walk us through a little bit of that, some maybe a, a sneak peek, for instance, in that top five? Well, um, I have had Slavkowski first overall for the last few weeks, and that's he's maintained that that spot. Um, watched his game today, and he was terrific. Probably the best performance I've seen from a from a draft eligible prospect this year. He, uh, I'm gonna get, uh, I'm gonna go through the highlights. It takes about twelve hours for the highlights to get on in Instat, where you can watch the shifts, and I'm going to uh, break them down tomorrow. And post uh, post hit highlights from his game. I'm also going to post some highlights from uh, Liam o- Ogren, who is uh, the big riser. Who's been the big riser? He's now uh, third overall on my draft list, which is going to be a surprise for a lot of people that follow the draft because uh, when you click on elite prospects and you see all these uh, independent scout scouting lists and stuff he's ranges anywhere from 16 to 39 in the uh in the rankings the highest is 16 and i've got him third so that that gives you an idea of just how up in the air this draft is right now where you know there's a but that's happened in, in the last few years a few 
in a few instances where Mason McTavish was not top 15 in some lists uh, this time of year last year. And uh, when I moved him up to um, second, I ended up with him second overall at the end of the draft. By the draft, the people, you know, a lot of people thought, wow, that can't be because he hasn't been top 10 in, you know, Craigslist or whatever, you know, whatever list they're looking at. Um, same thing with Heisken in his draft year. Probably uh, March or April, I moved him into the top five, and that at the time was deemed to be quite radical. People thought, wow, this guy, he's top, he's 25 on this list, he's 20, you know. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about um, being connected to the NHL with, with NHL scouts and them being uh, forthright with me is that you, you, get a, you get a sense ahead of time, even if I am seeing it, I still like it to be verified by the guys that are in the ranks every day and, uh, you know, getting the big paychecks on my feet. Um, and, you know, they alerted me to Heisken and, and I studied him and, and, and I saw that he was definitely top five, you know, before these, these independent lists uh, um, caught wind of it and, and studied it and, and studied him a little more and realized it. And it's it, it's it ended up being a similar situation this year with with both uh, Ogren and uh, Akaramaki. That's another name that you don't see in a lot of uh, top five, uh, top ten. Um, I have them three, four now. Um, you know, spent a lot of time watching the North American kids, and there's just none of them none of them justify being in the top five beyond beyond Shane Ray. And the more I studied these uh, these kids in uh, Europe, the uh, the more uh, I've concluded and had it verified from NHL scouts that these two kids are the are the late risers that are that are uh, definite top five picks uh, today. We'll see by the draft time, but right now I think a lot of NHL clubs would, would pick both those guys top five. Um, Holgren has. 33 goals in 30 Swedish junior games. I haven't done all the studying on it yet, but that's, that's incredible. Like, um, you know, you look at Raymond and a few others that they, didn't, they played mostly in the SHL in your draft year. So you can't, you know, judge it uh, real, real fairly, but uh, I don't know of any draft eligible prospects, 17 years of age, scored more than a goal a game at the junior level in Sweden. Um, if it's happened, it, it was rare. I haven't found that yet. But uh, um, that just goes to show you just, you know, his goal scoring potential. But this is a kid that uh, he's six foot, uh, workout machine. Uh, I heard nothing but good things about, about how hard he works off the ice. Strong, strong, strong kid. A uh, bit of a, he may be only six feet, but he's strong enough to play a power game and to get to the net using his strength. Uh, very good speed, very good shot, uh, goal scorer, and a playmaker. Uh, competes pretty pretty well, too. Like he, he's got some jam. So there's nothing really uh, not to like about his game. So um, he's moved up into the, into the third spot. My rankings, Kimmel dropped down a bit, 
he still hasn't, since he came back from injury, um, just hasn't been consistent. Uh, he, he's moved down to five on the rankings. Makaramaki, um, I had a scout tell me today, like, he's broken records. I didn't know, think that was the case, but I, I looked into it. Um, the last 17 year old um, Swede to score at a better goal per game pace, and the only one was Peter Forsberg in the 80, in the 80s. So, uh, so is that that's good? That's not bad either, right? So, I mean, I'm a little surprised that guys haven't come around on, on these two a little quicker. Uh, certainly, the NHL scouts have, I have, and uh, when I when I release the list more officially, it's already up on the site. If you go there, you can see you can see the rankings. Uh, you know, my top uh, top 100 picks. I've got the rankings up there for subscribers, and I updated the top 10 on the uh, on the homepage for free, so people can go and see it and see what my top 10 is, and then. If you don't have a subscription, uh, well, get one. Yeah. And uh, you can see my top 100, which will only be, uh, I'm only going to expand that as I go along. I've done that all year. I, I started with the top 30, then I went to top 40, 50, you know, uh, and it's up to about 99 or 100 now. And I'm going to think I'll end up with 150 by, by the draft. Now, You've got quite a few Europeans in that top 10. There's one yes. that I wanted to point out. Uh, I wanted to hear a little bit more about him, and that's Nemich, the right-hand defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was pretty high on him early on, at, well, actually mid-season. Um, I thought maybe he was a top five guy, and other guys have, have jumped up. Tell uh, us that, that I trust quite a bit that are crossover scouts that have been over there recently uh, pointed out some issues with his pivoting. Um, he's six foot. So, you know, that that's considered an undersized defense, like that's, you know, the average is six ones to six two on an NHL defenseman. Um, if you're under, you know, if you're six foot or under, they want, they want you to be dynamic. You know, uh, I don't know that he's that, but certainly he's a very good defenseman. I mean, he's played, you know, he's played for his national team since he was 16. You know, mind you, that's Slovakia and, and their depth isn't, you know, great. So you have to take that into consideration too. But um, what has come into question is just how much offense he has and just how good a skater he is. Um, more so with this pivoting than anything, but as as you know, uh, you know, for defensemen being being able to pivot it is is so important at the NHL level because they can, uh, you know, speed up some of those guys. They can they can get by in a hurry. It doesn't matter how quick you are after that. If if a guy gets a step on you, you're probably toast. So um, those two things have uh, have resulted in him dropping a bit. Uh, in my rankings, I've got him ninth now. Um, a lot of NHL guys don't even have him in the top ten. Um, I still, you know, there's there's still some some things I like quite a bit. Hopefully, he goes to the World Championships here. 
the problem with Slovakia now is that they're um, they're not in the under 18s. They dropped down. So we won't be able to see Slavkovsky or Nemec uh, at the under 18s. Um, now, hopefully, I'm pretty sure Slavkovsky will be there because he was like the starter of their Olympic team. So <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised if he wasn't. And uh, certainly he's got the size, you know. Uh, but Nemec, I'm hoping, you know, they had him at the Olympics too. He didn't play a lot, but hopefully he gets to go to the World Championships and play a fair bit. Um, I've been watching him a bit in the playoffs here. He's getting some points. Um, I mean, he's, uh, you know, he's a fine prospect, but for the Habs in top five, I might, I might have to say that you pass on that. And I mean, you look at, uh, like, is he going to be better than Mayu? Probably not. Is he going to be better than Baron? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, so, you know, do you take a five, top five pick on a guy that may be your third right defenseman? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I think if, you know, I think, well, first of all, Slavkovsky, I think, is the, is the ideal fit for uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, you know, that to me would be the, uh, the perfect pick for the Canadians if, if they end up, you know, first or second. Uh, and um, his size, what he can do along the boards, he can be the, you know, he's uh, he's Anderson with vision, passing skills, and, and more size. And a left shot. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And probably more, you know, he's probably going to score more goals too, because Anderson, you never know, you never know where the puck's going. Right? Uh, love the kid, love you know, and all that, but he's not a he's not an accurate sniper, you know. Now, looking at the Canadians' draft pick, their first pick this year, if it falls, say, fourth, if they lose out on the uh, on on the lottery and move back a spot. Will do you feel that Slavkovsky? Sorry, having a hard time talking. Slav, uh, we call him Slav. <laughs> do you feel he'd be available at four? No, I don't feel that. I feel that now the NHL guys are, you know, I mean, they they agree with with me that he's top two, you know. Pick your poison. Do you want right or do you want Stankowski? I think uh, that's at this point anyway. And certainly after today's game, oh, I don't know how you couldn't pick him two if right goes one. And personally, I I pick him one. You know, uh, Wright's just bothered me. Just I've seen too many. I've watched forty of his games, probably thirty-five of them. He's dogged it. Uh, hasn't battled hard, doesn't back check hard, doesn't doesn't try to win battles. He's not down a lot. Um, you know, I mean, he can he can pile up points, sees the ice well, and skates well, and all that stuff. But he's going to have to. Uh, he's going to have a big wake up when he hits the NHL. Um, at this point, I'm just. Uh, 
I need to see it in the playoffs. I need to see them compete in the playoffs and, and um, help Kingston win some tough road games. I haven't seen that this year. He uh, shows up in Hamilton when, with Jackye and, and McTavish out there against him, and he's invisible. That's not a, you know, that's not a first overall pick in my mind. But, uh, if you can't do it, you know, at the junior level, are you going to do it against the best players in the world? Maybe, but I'm a little concerned that he's maybe one of those guys that's not uh, not really. Uh, it's going to take him a few years to win to help you win playoff games because he's going to have to learn to uh, to compete a lot harder. So that's that's a question mark for me. It reminds me a bit of what I saw from Nolan Patrick in his draft year. Okay. So, he was so good uh, in everyone's consensus, number one. You know, the 6-1 center uh, that had 100 points when he was 16, the golden boy. Um, didn't have a particularly good draft year. Uh, didn't compete hard. You know, it was lazy. He skates back like Dayarnay used to. Do you remember Dayarnay on the back check? He's still trying to back check to this day. Yes. And I see a lot of shifts. I'm going to put a piece together at some point down the stretch here, just with the right back check. Okay. And I mean, it's just, it's like it's slow motion. It just, these goes like that. Eh? And it's it just like, that's, that's my back check. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> the beer league, it's called the beer league back check. And, now, based uh, on that, do you feel like he's going to be a slider? Maybe down to three, four? Well, it depends on these other guys, you know. Uh, Karamaki comes back. He's, he's got model right now. So yep. we got to hope that he uh, he gets back for some of the playoffs and definitely for the U18s, you know. Um, but, I mean, if there if a couple of guys light it up at the U18s, you know, um, Slavkowski goes to the World Championships and does what he did for the Olympics. He's definitely going number one. Um but, you know, there's no other guy that I think is in the top five uh, that's a sentiment. Uh, some will argue Cooley, and I think he's outside of the top five. Um, the last sentiment that was 5'10", taken in the top five, 5'10 or shorter, might have to put it back to Marcel Dion. Like, it's, it's a rare, you know. Marco Rossi was a better junior in his draft year than, than Cooley, and he went ninth. You know, way more competitive, way more consistent, way uh, better defensively, stronger, um, and same height. So, uh, you know, you see these independent lists with Cooley in the top two, and I can't see it. But he, he's the only other guy I think that would be in the discussion. So there are some teams that like him. Um, I don't see him as the. I'd rather take one of these uh, European wingers than than Cooley at four or five for sure. Now, what do you think? What have you been hearing about the Russian factor in this draft? Because with Russia doing what they have done on the political side, attacking Ukraine, they've they've been given all kinds of sanctions by the hockey community. How much of an impact is that going to be on teams selecting Russian-based players? Yeah, that's a good question. 
I lost that. And, you know, give you the same answer as NHL scouts. It's like, I don't know. You know, I really don't. Um, I think it's going to hurt them. Uh, I mean, they, you know, are they even coming over? Right? Like, uh, I mean, the, the world's changed. Um, we're not cooperating with Russia right now, and that's it's going to be a long time before we are. I believe, you know, this one's going to take some time to get over. So, uh, it, it's a good question. Yeah, like they, you know, may buckle down on things. Well, you're not getting our players because there's already the tit for tat on sanctions and you know exports and imports that's going on and all that. So, you know, is it going to the import export and play hockey players going to be next on the list? Like it could be, you know, um, maybe they're going to be less inclined to come over, too, right? all the propaganda that they're fed about the West and stuff, who knows what they're, you know, they may say, oh, that the evil empire, I can't go play over in North America. I don't know what, you know, what, what these kids are thinking. So, uh, and then on top of it, Mirish, Mirish Nechenko, he, uh, I noticed that you just called him the Russians. He didn't, he didn't try to pronounce that name, but, uh, nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, uh, um, I mean, with the, with the cancer, and uh, so it's even more up in the air with him. Like, I, I, I know guys that still, one scout that still has some third on his draft list, but he wouldn't pick him. He knows that they wouldn't pick him third. You know, he thinks he's the third best prospect, that's how he has him ranked, but with a, you know, red flag beside it or whatever you know say yeah with a hammer and sickle on it yeah yeah you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you might end up like putting up you know putting upside you know yeah well Eight seven goals, goals a game upside 11 goals a game or whatever you know not bad but you know, <clears throat> yeah it's okay sketchy goaltending let's put it just put it that way yeah it's kind of like the leafs yeah <laughs> but uh there's also Interesting thing about it, Miro, as I like to call him, is uh, that he, uh, there are strong, strong whispers that he's uh, the next great Ranko and that, uh, you know, don't believe his birth certificate. He's not 17 or 18, he's, you know, 19 or 20. Grow full beard if he did, you know, if he knew it, it wouldn't uh, hurt, you know, people get, make it more suspicious even than it already is. But he's from like, uh, He's from a town that's like almost on the North Korean border, you know, way over in uh, east, southeast uh, Russia, where middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. And uh, I, you know, there there are a lot of people that are saying that uh, this kid is not. Uh, it's not his draft year. It was probably a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> you know, you, if that's it, if that ends up being the case too, well, you know. No wonder he's been so good, you know. <laughs> so uh yeah, he's got the three strikes right now. So you'd have to have a you know, big cojones to use a top ten pick on on him this year, I think, even though he may be one of the three best, most skilled players in this draft class. 
Now, this this takes me to the Canadians' uh, approach to the draft. I wanted to get your your view on what you feel Hughes' draft strategy could be going into his first draft. Uh, we saw Bergevin's method with Timmins, where they they tried to get as many possible picks so that they could kind of flood themselves with as many prospects as they can, hoping it really hits. What do you think Hughes is going to do in this draft now that he has 14 picks? Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully he's got a different philosophy in that he won't be averse to moving up because uh, they made so many picks in the last four years and they're going to have another 14 this year. They have another, what, 10 next year at this point, which would probably be 14 by draft day because you'll see Mike Hoffman probably traded, you know, Next draft uh, deadline, uh, Petrie, I could see Petrie going before the draft this year, perhaps, or, you know, next year before the trade deadline, one of the two. So uh, you only have 50 contracts, right? So how many of these guys ultimately are going to end up getting signed? You know, there's some really good prospects that got to be signed. I mean, right now, there's players that I don't think they might want to sign. I don't think they can sign any of these college free agents that you could possibly pick because they're not going to have the contracts because they got to give them to, you know, um, guys that have been drafted. So, I mean, it's a pleasant problem to have. It's better than what it was before when they were, you know, signing guys from the ECHL to NHL contracts or whatever. They're, you know, they played in, well, you know, once they played in BLB there, they got a contract because Joel coached once or whatever, you know, things were a little thick in the past, but that's not going to be the case. So two things I think can happen here. Um, uh, he'll, he'll uh, package some of his top 90 picks. I think what has he got now? Six. He's got Six 14 over the next, months. he's got 14 over the next uh, three seasons. But this this draft, I think he's got six, what, three, three second or three third rounders, yeah, two firsts and two seconds. It'd probably be two seconds, yeah. With the with the Kulak deal, yes, yeah, because uh, unless yeah. Edmonton makes the final, they get right. their second. So so that'd be six, right? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, package package the. Uh, even if they want to trade up in the first, let's say their second pick is the 25. And there's somebody at, you know, on the board at 20 that they've got ranked top 12 or something like that. So, hmm, you know, maybe it's the right defenseman or something. You know, uh, gee, let's, you know, let's trade one of our seconds and a third to move up from 25 to 20. Or, I mean, that's a little steep, but, you know, you know at least they have it, though. They have that capital, and if it's really someone they believe in, and they're 26 and they want to move to 20, you know, you, you throw in the second rounder. You still got four, you know, more picks in the top 30, so or in the top three rounds. So uh, I think I think that's a possibility, you know, uh, or uh, move up to have a third uh, pick in the first round. That's also a possibility. They've got the capital, you know. Um, 
let's say it's the 30th pick and they say, well, well, wow, there's Jack Hughes. I want my son. Uh, here's, here's the two, here's our two second round, you know, the 36th and the 50th pick. They move up to 30 to get, you know, Jack Hughes. I mean, I doubt, I doubt very much that he's going to, he's, that he's going to pick his, his own son because just puts so much pressure on both, you know, yeah. um, if, if he fails, you know, it's just, uh, you won't hear the end of it, right? Especially in Montreal, <laughs> the you know, especially if, if they, if they get it to pass over, you know, you know what? Directly. I can't, I can't see any pressure being put onto anyone in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, imagine if he, you know, there was a, the, the, let's say Gaucher was still on the board. And, yeah. You know, they're expecting him to go 20th because he's on, you know, Craig Button's list. He's at 20 or something. And it's the 29th pick and he moves up and he doesn't take Gaucher and he takes his son and he doesn't turn out. Uh, no, you never hear the end of it. You know, uh, last year, Philadelphia, they really liked uh, Ridley Gregg, you know. Might have even taken him if Mark Gray wasn't their chief scout out west, you know, his dad. Yeah. He just, no, we can't do it. You know, you just can't. It's unfair to the kid. Um, just, just the thought that it would look like some form of nepotism. Well, of course, you know. Uh, so I, I doubt that he would do that. I hope he doesn't do it. Even though I don't, you know, Jack Hughes is a is an okay player and all that and stuff. But um, then the other thing that I think uh, that he might do is uh, trade some. This is something Bergeron used to do: is just trade a pick for a pick next year. You know, kind of punt punt that one down the road. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're going to pick fiftieth, and I mean, Bergeron did that a couple times too. You know. Did it with a Tampa pick last year yeah. or whatever, right? Uh, next year's stronger draft year. So uh, gives you an extra year to sign people. Get the, you know, uh, you, got those, you only got those 50 contracts, right? Gives you an extra year to look at guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he doesn't trade to move up, that he does something like that where he'll, he'll, uh, you know, swap a couple of picks of this year for a for later year, might maybe even two years down the road. Now, um, there's been a lot of talk that next year's draft is stronger than this year's. So, what is the expectation of the prospects at the second half of the first round? Are they look are are they looked at as number four, five D man and third line players? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, in a lot of drafts, that you know, get guys that are you know four or five D men late in the first round, uh, or good third line centers or whatever you know the case may be. Uh, but that that's certainly the case this year. Uh, it's not a real deep defense group. I think you know six to eight defensemen go in the first round, maybe. I don't see more than eight going this year. So that's not, you know, some years it's 10, 12 or more. Uh, don't think that that's going to happen this year. So 
you're getting a you're getting a defenseman at the end of the first. It's you're looking at a four or five likely, you know, which is still, you know, eighteen minute, eight, 15 to eighteen minute a game defenseman is pretty valuable commodity, you know. Now. We'll, we can move over to the Canadians prospect pool. You've, you've mentioned a few times the NCAA players, the number of contracts. I think the Canadians have three left now after signing Harris. Um, that brings up the thought of maybe someone like Stapley, who's playing for Denver and is compared favorably to Evans. What are the odds that he gets signed? I hope so. Um Talked to an NHL scout who's um, a couple of months back, um, and he says, you know, I'd sign it. You know, another NHL team will do it for sure. You know, you don't pass on a kid with that much skill uh, if you have a chance to sign him. You know, he's in your system. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely sign a kid. You know, there's a there's a need for us for a second line center. And um, he might have that potential. I think a lot would have to go right, but uh, so, I mean, you know, seventh round draft pick wasn't a huge you know, amount of capital spent there. So yeah, I would, uh, I would hope, I would hope that they're gonna sign. Um, I think because there's so few contracts, maybe they don't sign Struble right now. I thought maybe they'd do a double signing with Harris and Struble, you know? And yeah. seeing that that didn't happen, I guess maybe they're not going to sign Struble at this time. Certainly maybe physically. Could be his injury history causing him to kind of slide a little bit on his progression cause that? Yeah, maybe. Uh, he hasn't played a heck of a lot. Uh He's still learning, like he hasn't played, he's played 73 games or something like that in college, you know, uh, for a lot of college players, that's two years, uh, less than two years, a full years. We haven't had that, right? With COVID and with his injuries and everything the last two years. Um, but the thing then too is you wait another year, then he's got the option of not signing with you if, you know, uh, when the time comes, so you you often want to, especially you guys pick up the top two rounds. You often want to get them. You want to sign them by the end of the junior year, unless you don't plan on signing. So maybe they don't plan on signing, or say, well, let's give them one more year. You know, we're on the bubble of signing this kid. We don't have many contracts, so we've got a lot of left defensemen. You know, Jack I. Maybe he's a better version of him, maybe a more consistent version. So, you know, maybe they're looking at it that way where, okay, we've got other, you know, fair brother we're happy with. Uh, Jack Eyes brings the uh, same dimensions, but he's bigger, more consistent. So perhaps he doesn't get signed. But that's a good thing if he doesn't. If, you know, it just means that other players, other drafted players, other signed players develop more. There's a lot of depth yeah. there now. So, there's going to be good. You know, Olson's another one. He's, I don't see him getting signed, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him because he's been having a lot of injury issues as well. Yeah, yeah. And he just never learned to play hard, you know. All the skill in the world uh, looks like 
was great practice, you know. Trevor uh, interviewed all the, he always does this, he interviews other players on, on teams and asks them who's the most skilled guy on your team and stuff. And, you know, they play on under 18 teams and stuff. And they all say, oh, so at the time, 6'2", could skate, you know, all that stuff, stick handle. Uh, but he just never learned to play hard. Not, not yet, anyway. I mean, there's still time for him to figure it out and become a good, a good uh, professional player in Sweden. But I don't know that, uh, I don't think he's going to get signed. And, uh, you know, in part, though, it's because there's other, you know, there's, there's prospects that are better than him in the system now that, that, that were drafted later. And uh, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Now, uh, Hughes and Gorton have both gone on to say that they want a team that plays fast, thinks the game fast, and provide a certain level of skill. So that kind of, it could push a few of these prospects out. But one that I think really jumps up the charts based on that and the way he's played is Jonathan Drouet out of... Uh, uh, Sherbrooke? Yeah, yeah, Sherbrooke, yes. Because he just got yeah. traded last year from the same yeah, yeah. Um, So he's leading the queue in points. He's playing at a much higher level than he has in the past. He's not signed yet. They have another year after this before they have to. But do you feel like they'll be maybe pressured a little bit? Because he is a local Quebec boy and he's making good. Well, I think they may wait till. Uh... Um, training camp, you see if, you know, uh, he comes close to making the team that sign, they think, well, we can start the season with him. Uh, you know, then they'll definitely sign him. I don't, they don't have to sign him, right? Until next no. year. I think with the, with the lack of contracts, I don't know that it's got to be a priority. You know? And certainly don't do it because you might get shit from be fans or whatever. Oh, that's not a good reason to do something, you know. Uh, especially when you got so few contracts. If it means you sign him instead of Stapley or something like that, and you don't have to, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, if it comes down to well, you know, we're going to lose this kid, we might end up playing in NHL so that we can appease fans. Uh, that's that's not good hockey business as far as I'm concerned. On the other side of that spectrum of, of taking shit from the fans, one <laughs> player that uh, <laughs> that could cause a little bit of uh, a PR nightmare is the signing of Logan Mayu. Now, yeah. he, they've only got us, they have until next year to sign him, but if they want to have him have a full camp and maybe he has a good showing, would they even attempt to suffer those slings and arrows? Sign them early, you mean? Sign them this summer, yeah. Well, they don't have to. They definitely don't. Th- I definitely don't think they. And he's not going to, you know, he's going to understand why. You know, he's played what? Se- ten, uh, 10 junior games? Still 10, 11 junior games, yeah. So... You know, um, 
And I mean, the last few games he played, he, he came out, jumped, jumped out of the cannon there, but last few games weren't as good as the first few. He's still got a lot to learn, you know. He's certainly not going to play in the NHL next year. I know that no. much. Um, you you got to get him games. And um, no, that one makes no sense. There would, there's certainly not going to be pressure to sign him no. next year. You're not going to get shit if they don't sign him until next year. So, no, that one for sure. Uh, you wait till the last minute. You wait till 159, you know, the, the night of the, of the deadline to sign, to sign him and don't even, you know, I wouldn't even release it to the press, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. just let it kind of slide. <laughs> I don't think yeah. you want to make a big spectacle of it, you know. No. This, this is going to no. be, this is, I think it, all of this has to be treated, you know, uh, with the utmost respect for what, uh, what's gone on since he was picked. Now, there's some fans that feel like the Canadians should renounce that pick. I personally do not believe that's ever going to happen. Do you have any inkling as to if that could? I have no inkling, no. Um, Do you think they would? I've never heard anyone speculate it in NHL circles. Uh, Time heals wounds, as they say, I guess, and... uh, you know, another year from now, um, especially if he has a good year next year, and he's looking like a you know future top pairing great defenseman. Um, I don't. Uh, there'd be more fans at that point upset with the with him being renounced than that than you know being signed. So, um, you know, the the feedback I get now. Is majority of people, you know, I think I asked a poll question about, you know, you forgive them. And, uh, and Brian did, you know, a big poll on it too. And people think, you know, that you that it's something that you have to give the kid another chance, you know, as long as he keeps his nose clean and, uh, and doesn't do anything, you know, anything untoward between now and, and, uh, you know, the date of signing next year. Um, no, you keep, you keep him. Um, I mean, he's an asset. No, guaranteed another team will take him from you if, you know, if it comes down to that you don't want him in the organization, you still sign him and you trade him then. You don't renounce the pick and lose that asset. Now, <laughs> Moving on from that, he's a defenseman. I wanted to, the last topic I wanted to cover is the Canadians' uh, future defense. And it looks like basically it has arrived. Romanov, Gouli's on his way. Mayu is one of those young players. Barron has now arrived thanks to a trade. Uh, Harris has just signed. So there's, there's a glut of young defensemen. Do you feel that this is the turning point? into modernizing the defense as Hughes has mentioned he wants? Not going to be six Bergevins on the blue line, is that? No that longer six Bergevins, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it, uh, I thought that all along, you know, projected it as this 
22-23 is the year where you know you, you see the changeover in where it's it, it's pronounced. You know, uh, I know Ryan's been bringing up the fact he thinks you know the defense will be too young next year. And I I did a little digging because I, I I recall the last time the Habs won the cup that they had a pretty young defense. <laughs> I think the uh, oldest one on the defense that year was 27. Uh, well, Ramage was the oldest guy, but he got injured and he wasn't regular in the playoffs. But yeah, uh, the top six or seven scorers on defense, the oldest guy was Daniel at 27. And the next oldest was Olai at 24. Yeah. Uh, everyone else was 23 and 22. So, uh, you know, um, I mean, Gouley's doesn't matter what his age is. He's he's going to help the defense. You know, he's better than Kulak at twenty-seven. He'll be better next year than Kulak. You know, he'll he'll bring more dimension. Uh, uh, I like Edmondson. You know, I, I love that that he'll be around and he'll he'll be there to uh, mentor these guys. Um, Romanov, I think. He, he, he'll reach another level offensively. We're always seeing in the second half here where he's it seems like he's gaining offensive confidence by the week, you know. And uh, I think he'll be a 30 plus point guy by next year. Um, Barron looked pretty good, you know, not bad. Certainly he's got the skating ability to, to play at the NHL level. So I think he'll probably, he'll probably slide in next year. We'll see how Harris looks here. Um, it's funny, you know, I biggest advocate for, for him getting signed. And I, I missed it. When did he sign? Okay. On Saturday. Was Saturday? Okay. I was busy with, with a lot of stuff on Saturday, and I never actually did see a tweet that the announcement. Today was the first day that I knew that he had signed. When they showed him on the beach there doing push-ups and stuff. No. <laughs> no, okay. They did sign Harris. And it's weird that I never saw a tweet in two days that uh, they verified that he had signed. Uh, I, you know, I got distracted and busy with other stuff because I'm usually on Twitter all the time. But yeah. Uh, um, it, it's, uh, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Norlander, you know, uh, maybe he comes in and wins a spot next year. Uh, Jack High is not far away. I don't think he is. He really looks good this year. Just as a third pairing kind of defenseman, that, uh, he's not far away. And um, same with Fairbrother. I unfortunately got injured this year. He keeps getting injured too. And I still think that if he didn't get injured this year, I think that he might have started next season uh, on the blue line. So he's not far away either. Uh, it's uh, definitely the transition is in full force in 22, 23, I think. Yeah, and there's Schooneman, uh, who's uh, yeah. one of St. Louis' favorites now. and I like Schooneman. I, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, he's not perfect or anything, but uh, I uh, I like his voice and skating um, puck. It's good with the puck. He makes some really uh, skillful plays. He's been making some smart, skilled little passes and, and plays, and uh, pretty poised. Not making a lot of mistakes. Getting caught out position here and there, but I mean, every young defenseman that, that happens with you know, he's not young, but you know, green. 
Eric Green, the best one that being an NHL rookie, but I can see him having a he's in the mix next year for sure too. And uh Weidman hasn't, you know, Weidman hasn't been horrible. Uh, but I don't see him, you know, I don't think he's in the future, you know. Um Savard, last 20 games, it's been fine. Like if you're you play him in a third pairing, you know. I think they're 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 overplaying him because they have no choice. Playing him in a you know top two three minutes role, but he hasn't been bad in, in that. But ideally third pairing. Yeah, you know, and and you don't want to you don't want to get rid of him either because no. if you're going this young, you need some kind of. Oh yeah. Help. Well, he's grown on me. You know, he struggled a lot at the start, and in part because he's playing out of. If, if because of injuries, they played him too high up in the lineup, you know, he should be playing 20 minutes plus a game, you know, no. um, but he can be a 15, 18 minute uh, penalty killer, uh, that kind of role, mentor, you know, the veteran on, on the on the squad. And I think Petrie, I hope he's gone, you know. Uh, yeah. I think, I think it, uh, at the draft, hopefully something can get worked out. And uh, you you go with the, uh, you know, you go with that group. Now, just uh, just looking at the blue line that they have put together now and what we're projecting out, uh, I'm just wondering, who was it that signed all these guys and who drafted them, ex- with the exception of Barron? I'm going to have to uh, go get my... Uh, I have to plug in my computer. I'm going to lose you here. Well, we're we're pretty much done. Um, so okay, what? Like we, it, uh, I mean, it could just go off yeah. in like two seconds. Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And oh, okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, uh, I, I was pretty much me, at the end. It would take me a half a minute to get it. I just. And he's out. He'll come back in a moment. Um, to answer the question, I was being a little facetious. Bergevin did put together the majority of that along with Timmins. Now, they were they did have a lot of issues. They did have their downsides. But thankfully, they looked ahead and they were able to pick players that fit a more modern style. So... At the very least, there is a decent foundation for this current management team to build upon to give the fans a more modern approach to the NHL game. Uh, as uh, Grant had mentioned, the, uh, the six Bergevins on the blue line, I think the days of that are pretty much done. Uh, obviously some of those types are going to be needed for the playoffs, but you can get guys like that who are more mobile. So, uh, people like Gooley, for instance. So I want to thank Grant for coming on the show. Uh, if you want to check out the, uh, the latest draft rankings that he has out, you go to recruits.ca and please definitely subscribe. You'll get amazing draft coverage and you will get, all kinds of Habs coverage as well, including work for myself. Uh, I do freelance there from time to time. And I do 
use his draft rankings uh, to help me in building a, a larger picture. Clearly, I use others as well, but his is one of the one of the few that I really, really use. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.